Welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Dispatch. This is your host, Andy Anderson. In this episode, Air Gaps Are Like Unicorns, we talk with Galina Antova, one of the co-founders of Clarity, a fast-growing security startup in the world of industrial control systems. She shares her experience working to protect these critical systems and the journey that led her to found Clarity. Everybody sort of ends up in cybersecurity in kind of a unique way, right? Like, I don't think there's a single kid who, like, grows up being like, I want to be a cybersecurity yeah. expert. Yeah. So what was your sort of path into this space? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was kind of like by accident to me. So I started my career with IBM. So it's just the whole, you know, software development security topic was fascinating. And then, you know, when I came across the industrial domain, that was just basically the intercept of, like, the stuff that runs the world inside of security. And so I just became fascinated by that topic. And this is how I ended up just getting into it more and more and uh, eventually co-founding Clarity. Yeah. So Clarity has sort of established itself as sort of a, a thought leader and, and sort of a category creator in this, in industrial control systems and SCADA systems. For somebody who isn't as immersed in that world, what's sort of happening there? Like if they haven't been reading all of the Right. Hacker news. right. Well, I think that what happened over the last few years really allowed for the industry to become a real market opportunity. The thing that is not new and that is not easy to change is the the security posture of those industrial control systems, right? So in the office environment, we're used to kind of changing our laptops every, you know, couple of years. You can't really do that in an industrial control system environment. Yeah. The life cycle of those machines is 35, you know, sometimes yeah. 40 years. And so you can't just rip and replace. So you got to work yeah. with existing infrastructure that when that infrastructure was designed, security wasn't really an issue. So that hasn't changed. And that's kind of like the, the, one of the sources of the problem. What has changed rapidly over the last few years is actually how interconnected those systems are, right? When the first PLCs were designed, they weren't actually meant to be networked. So the fact that we've got everything on networks now means that everything is interconnected. So therefore, no air gap. So you've got to find a way of actually containing that environment. And the third thing that has also changed significantly in the last couple of years is that in terms of the threat landscape, right? First of all, I think a lot of folks have realized that those networks are critical. They're more valuable. And once you actually get into the OT networks, from there on, you don't really need exploits to cause damage because you're just leveraging the existing infrastructure, the existing plans. So the threat landscape together with the insecure by design industrial control system is what is actually creating the opportunity. Yeah, the sort of ability to really cause physical harm is exactly. literally... The impact is completely different than, than that in the IT. Yeah, and, and so sort of looking at the sort of backdrop against security, which you're looking to improve, obviously, if you've been in the space, you've heard of Stuxnet. Maybe you heard about kind of what was happening in Saudi Arabia, where like things were happening with Saudi Aramco, you know, maybe some of the other stuff that, that happened with WannaCry. For someone who's, who's sort of just coming to the space, sort of how do you see the sort of increase of threat level, particularly like the involvement Attribution is always hard, but potentially yeah. nation states kind of. No, involved. I'm not, not going to talk about attribution because nowadays, I mean, it's, it's kind of almost impossible to do. There's so many sophisticated ways in which we can, we can do a false flag, right? So it's kind of, I'll leave that for, you know, the other folks to discuss. But really at the core of the issue is the fact that those networks are really, really, really valuable. Yeah. I mean, 
valuable in many different ways. Valuable because they could be used to cause physical damage. Yeah. Valuable because in many cases, they actually uh, host some of the IP of those companies. I mean, the way a chemical company produces things. Of so from that perspective, you know, bad people will have interest in those networks. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a nation state. I mean, they're basically a weapon. So think of terrorists, things of all kinds of crazy people with agenda. And so the fact that I think what was proven over the last few years, starting with Stuxnet, is that it is possible to manipulate those networks, right? And that's kind of the, for many of those large companies that have been the, the, the wake-up call, that industrial control systems could actually be manipulated. And when you think about essentially the security that you're layering onto those systems, is it in many cases just sort of a mirroring of what, sort of has happened on the sort of more traditional IT systems? Like, are you essentially just taking those models and those processes and those tools and essentially adapting them to the other side? Or is there, in that translation, so is there a lot So we're trying to do the, the complete opposite. And, mm. and this goes against probably every kind of common sense thing that you would hear in the advice that you would hear in the cybersecurity industry. But basically, there's about 20, 25 years gap in the cybersecurity posture of IT networks and OT networks. And so if we repeat the same cycle, Mm. we just, it's not going to get us anywhere. So what we try to do with our technology is get to the end result, not necessarily by applying the same security controls because many of those security controls will not be relevant. For example, something as simple and in many cases useless as antivirus is not even something that you can deploy on a controller because of the warranty issue, right? That's a real-time machine. And so rather than trying to repeat A, B, and C, so a lot of people in our industry say, walk before you run, etc. Well, no. In our case, we just got to get to the sprinting, but the sprinting is done in a very different way. I don't need antivirus on the controllers, and I don't need some of the other measures that A, do not give me what I'm looking for, and are disruptive to the network. So... What we've done is our approach is a completely passive approach. Mm. We read the network, so we're transparent. That also means that the attackers cannot see us on the network. But because of the, the ability in which we understand those networks and the protocols that are running those networks, we're basically able to detect the very first steps in the, um, in the attacker's skill chain. So gotcha. it's then, a different way of approaching the, the problem. Very cool. And essentially, then whoever's managing your system for a company is then able to sort of, you know, once they've been alerted that there may be an issue... Right. Do you guys get involved in sort of remediation or understanding sort of what to do? What's that sort of next step? Yeah. yeah. So first of all, for industrial control system networks, the ability to be able to see that something wrong is going on, it's it's kind of, it's, it's a huge impact. Because yeah. right now, the security teams are going into those networks completely uh, blind. And if you look at any of the sophisticated attacks, I mean, attacks were on those, attacks were on those networks for months. So that initial detection is kind of uh, extremely key. In terms of the remediation, it depends on what level of the network, right? So if something is detected at the really lower levels of the network where the controllers actually operate the physical process, no one should get involved in that, right? From an automatic technology perspective, that needs to be handled in a more manual way. If we see something from a higher level of the network, then yes, absolutely, you have a way. We actually incorporate our technology or integrate our technology in other security technologies that are able to then take action based on that information, based on that intelligence. Very cool. You know, as you think about, you know, some of the systems that you're getting involved with, they really are literally critical infrastructure. You know, it's it's power plants, it's those sorts of things. Sort of in that landscape, what are you seeing in terms of sort of the interaction between both kind of technology providers like yourself, 
sort of industry as well as sort of the government sector as well. Sort of that is there collaboration that's happening, or is it really you know very siloed, separate? Well, there is some collaboration, but it's really hard to, I would say, a rely on the government or rely on uh, standard bodies to kind of tell you what to do. You know, I have a lot of respect for, and actually, we will work with a lot of advisors, etc., that are on standard bodies. But standards come after the fact, right? And so we are creating a completely new paradigm of how to actually address the threat now. When it comes to uh, the government and government's involvement on that, not even Americans, so I'm not going to comment on that. But I think that a lot of the large companies have just kind of taken that into their own hands because the government can't really interfere with some of those attacks. And as you mentioned earlier, attribution is really hard. So Yeah. Sort of switching gears, in terms of some of those sort of major industrial players, I saw that you guys had some, some big partnerships recently, Schneider Electric. Schneider Electric, was, Marvel Automation, yes. Um, yeah. Walk me through kind of like that process and what that was like and, and what that's sort of it's enabled. a very long process <laughs> <laughs> because they go through a lot of checks now, but it's actually, it, it's a great uh, working relationship with all the industrial control system members that we're working with. First of all, you know, it, I think that for us, it's great to get the validation from them that our technology works as intended and that it's not disrupting their processes, which is huge. And secondly, they also leverage our technology to go to market because in the real world scenario, whether you're an oil and gas company or a large manufacturer, you don't just have one industrial control system that we have all of them. And so our technology cuts across all of that. And so all of those partners can actually take us as a component and plug us into whatever offering they, they have. Yeah. I mean, it's a related question, but as you sort of think about getting installed in major systems, large corporates you potentially begin to become a threat vector yourself, right? If you have access. Good so question. how do you yeah. Yeah. how do you sort of handle those those concerns? So, so one of the things that I mentioned is with our passive technology, we're actually completely out of bounds of the network, right? Okay. So we don't exist. To the attacker, the attacker would not see us as an IP on the network, etc. So that's kind of we're installed, so to speak, yeah. in the network itself. Now, of course, you know, we go through the regular and kind of rigorous testing and our own red teaming of our own technology. Yeah. But the biggest thing is that we're actually a passive technology. So you're outside. Yeah. Um, great. We've been covering a lot of stuff. I mean, in general, sort of the IoT um, space, I mean, you, we've all seen the graph, right? Like number of devices, yeah. and then yeah. it, it looks like yeah. a good investment return, yeah. right? Hockey yeah. stick. How do you sort of think about that? Like what? Does that scare you? Does that excite you? Like there's just going to be everybody buying our stuff? Like from your perspective, how do you think about sort of a more connected world? Good question. And actually, I do want to say something now that you... And it's actually a great thing that you guys are covering industrial cybersecurity. It's such a... It's been kind of like such a a isolated domain, so to speak, that even amongst the overall cybersecurity industry has been kind of isolated. So part of what we're trying to do is bring it into the mainstream cybersecurity so that folks talk about it. For example, in the the last DEF CON, you know, we did a workshop on ICS together with some of the partners and, and, and stuff like that. So just educating the overall cybersecurity industry. Now, that kind of translates into your question about IoT. So, IoT is everything. I mean, IoT is, people can think of it as the networks that are running in nuclear power plants and then the intelligence in my toaster, right? So, it's not really the same. There's a huge difference between Hopefully what different, IoT is. Hopefully different, more sophisticated what, The way I think about it is that you cannot stop it. That interconnectivity is a good thing. If you can actually leverage the, the power that that gives you, but you can't stop it, right? So... The initial pushback against security technologies in the ICS domain was because, well, we're just going to air gap them. 
well, it's not practically possible, right? And it's kind of the same thing with the IoT. So I would say for me, it's it's very exciting because you're just, when everything's connected and everything's talking to each other, right? You can do so much more in terms of orchestration and how things flow. That being said, the more we think about security a priori and we bake it into the process, the better we'll be off it. So that's just, it's a, it's, it's a fact. Can we change it? Yeah, your comment, I mean, gosh, having not not been sort of involved in industrial control systems to the level that you have, I sort of read about them from afar. But gosh, I didn't realize that the life cycle was really 35, 40 years that long. Are you seeing, you know, now that maybe the threat, the sort of understanding the potential threats is increasing, at least vendors and people who are involved are starting to think about building systems? Oh, they've started that long time ago. I mean, so, you know, a few years ago, all of the ICS vendors already started having product cert organizations being much more open about their actually the vulnerabilities and how they cover them. But again, you just got to think through the timeline of that, right? So, okay, you're getting really serious about improving your security posture. So you start the design, the design of your next controller. That design phase itself, in most cases, is a five-year process. And then you launch it on the market, and that doesn't mean that the large multinationals are going to go and rip and replace the billions of infrastructure that they have invested. It might be another 15 years before they actually have to upgrade. So that being said, you know, just last week, I just came from a probably like one of the best, certainly the most technical ICS cybersecurity conference in the industry as four in Miami. And what we saw there was Schneider Electric talking openly about the recent incident yep. on the Triconic system. Yep which was just a absolutely admirable. And the fact that they're so transparent about that, engaging with the community is something that, you know, would not have happened seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So the fact that we're seeing vendors not just uh, increase proactively their security, but being very open with the, uh, with the industry is a, is a huge, huge step forward. Yeah, it is, you know, like a sea change in a community when there's problems that everyone sort of has quietly known yeah. exist suddenly. You might as well be you know, upfront about yeah. it and, and show and tell the community what you're doing about it and how you're solving it. Yeah. Sunshine cures a lot of exactly. ills for sure. The session that you're in, I made one of the best quotes that I've, I've ever heard, um, which was that air gaps are like unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people talk about them, but we're not sure that we've ever actually yeah, seen one. No. Especially in the industrial <laughs> control system. So. That was hilarious. So, you know, in general, and part of the reason that this publication exists is a lot of people sort of talk about the problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's wrong? And, and it's easy. I think, you know, as a community, you know, whenever anybody's system goes down pretty quickly, that person gets tarred and feathered. So we always try and talk about kind of the positive, right? Like an actual focus on solutions. Mm-hmm. So what's working and who's doing a, a good job? Like who's, who's admirable right now, whether that's yourself or, or partners or companies that you work with, you do not need to name names. In terms yeah, of- no, well, actually, I'll take it from a different perspective. I think that one of the biggest changes that kind of enabled our industry to even exist is the fact that uh, board level members, right, started paying attention and actually understanding what does it mean if they don't have cybersecurity for the industrial networks. So seeing that awareness at the board level and then the board members asking the CEO and then the CIO to actually do something about it creates the budget, which means that now we can actually solve the problem. 
no problem is unsolvable. You just have to have kind of like a focus on it. So I think that most of the large Fortune 500 companies that have industrial networks, and the vast majority of them do, even if it's not things that we think about. I mean, this building has, you know, HVAC and elevators and lightnings. All of that is ICS, right? So I think that the boards have done a really good job of asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, I think that after, specifically after uh, WannaCry and NotPetya, yeah. when the security teams realized that even if they're not targeted, some of that stuff can get into the shop floor, I think that was a huge wake-up call. Yeah. And so we've seen quite a lot of interest after that. So I think the security teams are also doing a good job of just asking practically what they can do better. Yeah. I mean, some sort of quiet, stunning headlines after that in terms of like what Maersk yeah, and that was just lost the tip and... of the iceberg of the ice. That that was yeah. just like really just a very small fraction of actually what happened in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think we're really curious what happens kind of post GDPR because I think maybe some changes before that, but just in terms of the disclosure requirements and timing, like will you just see a flood of more information come out because they're worried about otherwise getting a huge penalty right. from GDPR. <laughs> so, I mean, this has been great. I mean, just to sort of switch gears a little bit, like. For people in the industry, what are you reading? What are you sort of following? How do you kind of stay up? Good question. Every once in a while, I try to read stuff that's not related to cybersecurity, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not just kind of have to remind myself because I think what kind of the time that we live in right now is so fascinating. Yeah. And there's so much that could be done that it just kind of keeps me up to date. I actually talk to people. I mean, I'm yeah. privileged to have access to a lot of like the smartest folks in cybersecurity, both on the technical side as well as the CISOs that are facing just tremendous challenges and what I tell a lot of my clients is that I never want to have their jobs because it's just you know uh, defending (laughs) is just an absolute nightmare but I also work with you know some of the smartest folks that come from like you know offensive cyber background and so a lot of exciting things on just how we think about technology and what we so I try to talk to people because otherwise there's just too much hype in the media. No offense, but no, right no, no, no. It's, it's it's just, there's just a lot of hype, especially when it comes to industrial control systems because yeah. the general public does not understand it that well. And usually we see headlines of like the world's exploding or if, the U.S. grid is going to come down and something like yeah, that. So, if, yeah. if it bleeds, it leads, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. I mean, that's most of what I wanted to cover. I mean, thank you. Great. Well, thank you for getting into that topic of industrial cybersecurity. Like I said, we need more education, yeah. not just for the general public, even for the folks that understand cyber in general really well. That's cool. that's kind of a new domain. If people wanted to kind of check out any of your stuff or see sort of what you're doing, where would you? Um, I think I've got most of the things that I write on on LinkedIn, so probably okay. you can just check. So much. Out.